This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your other host, at least this week, Matt Scalina. And I'm sitting in. I'm Adam Scalina. Looking forward to this episode, though, Corey. Yes. No, we are. We're very fortunate to have our very first inaugural non-V-Rep guest today in right. Alan Haig, managing partner and one of the co-founders of Impact Commercial Group, a leading commercial lender out there. And today we're going to break down all how commercial financing works. I wasn't here for the conversation you two were, but this is so exciting in my mind, partly because commercial lending is such a different animal than residential financing, right? So it's really exciting that it's kind of the spelling out, the A to Z, this is how commercial lending works. But Adam, you were saying something about him actually providing investment advice. Well, no, here's the thing. This is the other thing that came out of the conversation, and it's something that Corey and I were talking about earlier. This idea that Alan is actually piecing together a lot of the deals that are happening in the commercial world, and he's seeing kind of behind the curtain, and he's structuring them. So if somebody's doing an improvement and turning a property around or trying to increase lease rates or where the opportunities are, he's kind of on the ground kind of helping with the financing. So he's actually a really good person to talk to about where the market's trending. And where the opportunities are. Well, I think a lot of people don't look at it. Like, you have to remember that they're getting the deals. So they're seeing where people are buying. They're seeing for how much. And they're seeing where. But also, on top of that, they're getting firsthand information from the lenders. Yeah. Are lenders comfortable lending in Victoria now? Maybe they weren't 10 years ago. Or is Victoria a no-go for certain lenders? So the information they're providing is very, very vital. They're probably being in a position to predict trends. And like I said, I think from an investment standpoint, finding out where they're lending and lending to sort of who and from who could be really good advice for our listeners. Totally, totally. This is a super exciting episode. I can't wait. And Alan's just all around. He's a great guy. Super good guy. But speaking of exciting. Yeah, you're back on Yellowstone. (laughs) No, you're off Yellowstone. I'm back in. (laughs) You're you're back in Yellowstone. I'm out. I'm out. You're in. Just when I got out, they wrote me back in quite physically. Oh, now (laughs) I'm going to be going home and doing this tonight, watching Yellowstone on the couch. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm back in. It's just, you know, six murders a show. That's what it is. It's (laughs) Speaking of six. Yeah. Before I came in, you guys gave me the numbers from last week's initial podcast. Yeah. And in commercial real estate, (laughs) always looking at stuff from a positive light. Six digits. We're in a strong position. We can actually double. Okay. (laughs) And grow our listenership by 100% from 6 to 12 this week. 6 to 12. From 6 to 12. 12 is not a bad start. I've actually seen a couple of reviews roll in. So I'm feeling super optimistic about you. Did you not get. This is an incredible story. Corey was standing on the corner of Robson on the phone where a guy walked by and was actually... Shows me his phone and says, I'm listening to the podcast and continues to walk across the street. The commercial podcast? The commercial podcast. I have a mask on, black suit, probably look like remnants of Batman. Probably look like a million bucks. (laughs) Probably look like remnants of Batman sweating on the corner of Robson. (laughs) This guy walks by. 
shows me his phone and says, listen to the podcast and continues to walk across the street. Nice. Yeah. That's, a, that's and then, a great story. And then what I did after is I ran up to him. I put the 20 bucks in the pocket that I offered him <laughs> to do that in front of the people behind me so they think I'm somebody that I'm not. <laughs> Pretty good. But it did happen, right? <laughs> Surprisingly, yes. Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> but this is going to be a great show. Uh, in the real estate world as brokers, everyone has their go-to financing people, right? 100%. You need them. You know who's good. And these are guys you you use. Yeah. I got, you know, Alan's a lifesaver and we try to acquire as many of our offices as possible. And usually what happens before we go into a market, I call Alan and I say, Hey, I found this location. I want to buy it. Alan usually tells me all the reasons why I can't afford it. And it's the dumbest thing to do. Like you're going to over leverage yourself. 30 days goes by. I call Alan and say, Alan, I just removed subjects on that building you told me not to right. buy. Right. And then usually on the call, there's about a 15-minute pause of just nothing. And that's Alan probably punching the air, screaming, and he always comes back on and says, Cor, will figure it out. Yeah. And he's never let me down yet. If this was a Tarantino film, I think Alan would be called the fixer or something, right? He's like the cleaner. Well, he plays a very vital part in the William Wright commercial expansion, whether he thinks so or not. <laughs> because all the money that we don't make, we put on deposits, the things that we can't afford. And yeah. then I show up on Al's door crying, <laughs> saying, I owe this guy a million dollars for this property I can't afford. Can you help me? And then so this, so good this, business model. Yeah, yeah, this advertisement is basically let impact commercial. They should almost be like a life insurance policy. Like that's that's what Alan is to me. We've built them up. Maybe we should cut to our talk with Alan from Impact Commercial. Yep. Great episode, guys. Enjoy. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have. Yep. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Alan Haig, Managing Partner at Impact Commercial Group Incorporated. How you doing, Alan? I am doing fabulous, guys. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. And Al, you are our first official non-V-Rep guest on this show. Yeah. So, so we wanted to, to lead off with a good one. Very blessed, guys. Very blessed. So, Alan, can you start maybe by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, absolutely. Where do I start? I guess go right from the very beginning. So I've been in banking and commercial financing for, Jesus, I'm dating myself about 25 years now. I started off right at the very bottom and just kind of gradually over time worked my way up into a bit more of an executive position at one of the major credit unions in town and then decided to, you know, explore entrepreneurship and moved into co-founding Impact Commercial Group, which is a boutique commercial mortgage brokerage. And we're just doing great things for a lot of great people in this town. And that's why we're in a blessed spot. No, it sounds great. One reason why we wanted to obviously have you on, one of the obvious questions we always get from people, and especially a lot of times people when they're looking to invest in commercial real estate for the very first time, is how do I finance that? And there's so many myths and 
stuff like that around, like it's almost impossible. And we wanted to really sort of open up those channels and have you on and you can kind of sort of explain to us and to the listeners. If I'm a mom and pop investor and I want to enter commercial real estate, or maybe I've owned some condos before in the past, and I'm a little more familiar with that structure, how do people get into commercial real estate on the investing level? And maybe how does that differ than if I wanted to buy a condo and say I wanted to buy a small industrial strata lot? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And we get this a lot with clients that are first-time buyers. The one thing that I can sort of say is you used a word called differ. And I sort of relate back to, you know, when I first started in the business, you know, we always kind of start on the residential side of things. Now, when you're kind of doing the residential side, you have just one view or one type of lens where you look at, you know, what can you finance on a residential property? And that's how you view that financing. On the commercial side, it is different. It's not necessarily more complicated or difficult. Certainly, there's elements of that. But again, is that it's just different. And when you work in the business all day, every day, is that difference is not a scary thing. That difference is just a you where you just put on a different lens or you put on your different hat and you view the property transaction and the financing of that transaction through just a different lens. So what we do is whenever we have you know clients that are sort of first-time buyers or just kind of new to buying, we at Impact, we've got the whole mantras that we want to have no surprises. And so what we end up doing is we just take a situation and we model it out, give a one-pager to the clients, you know, again, listing all of the items such as the purchase price, property transfer tax, you know, miscellaneous fees, and balance it out with the mortgage. And how that you do actually finance a mortgage. So what we try to do, again, is try to take the difference, not the more difficult, but the difference and put it into a format where more people can understand. And once they kind of get that sort of one pager in front of them and you can have a great conversation with them, you just sort of walk them through. And you know what? Probably after the second or third conversation, you know what? The things start clicking, the light bulb starts going off and people start getting, you know, really comfortable. And then they move into some great purchasing decisions. So, you know, again, we've been blessed in that aspect there. And, you know, that's sort of where I would put it for those new to commercial real estate financing. So, Alan, if I'm a new commercial investor, how much do I need down? Great question. That's probably the biggest one. One of the things that's different when you look at a residential mortgage is that, you know, you qualify for a residential mortgage based on, say, somebody's income that they generate through like their T4 or their salary. On the commercial side of things, what it is is that you take a look at the property's net operating income. When you look at, and I'm going to use an example of, say, like a commercial strata unit, is that you have a different type of lease. you got a triple net lease, which basically outlines a basic rent that is given to the landlord as compensation for occupancy. We take that basic rent as the income to support the mortgage. Once that's sort of understood, it's just you filter in an amortization, you filter in an interest rate, and re-engineer what that is going to qualify for a mortgage amount. It's as simple as that. There's nothing hugely complex. You just need to understand it's a different lens. And once you have that understanding, then things start connecting pretty good. Well, I think you made a really, really good point there when you talked about triple net leases. And maybe we'll unpack that a little bit for the listeners versus... 
In residential, when you're collecting rents for your residential condo, let's say $2,000, that's a gross amount you're collecting. And out of that, you're going to have to pay for your any insurance you have in the condos and strata fees and all of that stuff. Versus in commercial, you have triple net leases, which you have a base rent, which is the amount you negotiate based on fair market value. But then you have your triple net costs, which would then at that point be your additional costs, such as your insurance or strata fees or property taxes. So that base rent, whatever's negotiated during that term, will play itself out, and that's the money you use for debt servicing. So it's a number you can sort of count on when looking to finance versus in residential as costs continue to go up. If the rates that you're collecting in rent don't sort of keep up with that, you might see your debt servicing ability shrink because there might be less money left over to cover the debt. You know, you got it. And that sort of layers on another different thing about, you know, that Residential Tenancy Act and from an investment standpoint, it can be a little bit restrictive where in that triple net, that commercial tenancy is a little bit easier to, from an investment standpoint, to sort of forecast your returns on investment in the future. So it's a great point, Corey, and it's one of those benefits of why outside of your primary residence where people start looking into commercial real estate as a very strong alternative to sort of regular stocks and bonds as an investment. And so, Alan, I'm just thinking about like typically if people are buying investment properties in in the lower mainland for residential, they have to put 20% down. And a lot of people are obviously conscious of the fact of of not paying insurance, CMHD insurance. So they want to put 20% down. Are these mortgages insured, these commercial mortgages, or how does the role of CMHC impact commercial lending? Another great question. For the most part, for, you know, first-time commercial buyers, you know, CMHC is not used within commercial real estate financing. You know, one of the aspects on the commercial side, which is important, and I want to make sure we reference this, you know, properly, is that on the commercial side, there is a, you know, the federal government's national housing strategy. And that federal government's national housing strategy gets given to CMHC to execute. And then within CMHC is that their whole role is to stimulate on the commercial side, primarily the incenting of multifamily residential projects. So if you're financing an affordable rental project, that's where CMHC gets involved and provides insurance. For the regular one where, say, if you're buying a you know, one or $2 million commercial retail unit or a light industrial strata property, the banks or the credit unions or the financing partner, they don't use CMHC insurance. It is not a component for commercial financing for the majority of them. All of those things are held on the held directly by the lenders to the borrowers. When someone is buying a revenue property, like in terms of the number of doors or number of units, when does it convert from a residential loan to a commercial loan? Okay, another great question. Hey, you guys are just peppering them. I love this. It's kind of the magic sort of number is between four to six. Every lender's kind of got it a little different. Sometimes, you know, the magic number is five, where it just flips from a residential type application into a commercial. But again, every lender is a little different, and we just try to figure out what is the right option for the clients. I'll be honest with you, you know, there are some really great lenders in this town and some of them specialize in sort of like the multi-unit residential. And what they end up doing is they'll stretch it from, you know, four to five and they'll give you residential mortgage rates on those things there because they've got that program. And, 
you know, all things being equal is residential mortgage rates are a little bit lower than the standard commercial rates. So if you can, we always sort of work with our clients and figure out which is the right option for them. You know, for us is that we're passionate about supporting our clients at Impact and we want to do the absolute best thing for them every single step of the way. So we just get to learn what they're looking for and we put our recommendations forward. So, but again, that's that four to five to six is where you switch from residential to a commercial transaction. So it's Friday night. I'm sitting on the couch watching HGTV, watching people flip homes <laughs> for hundreds of thousands of dollars, according to the show. I want to do the same in commercial. Yeah. I find an old building. It could be vacant, maybe one or two tenants, but there's a lot of upside in it. I just got to roll up my sleeves and renovate it. Does this show exist, by the way, or are we just, is this <laughs> hypothetical? Well, Al, we're going to TL up here to get a good answer out there. Yeah. So I want to go buy this renovation show or buy this buy this <laughs> renovation property, but it's commercial. I call Impact. How does my financing differ if I'm looking to buy something in a value-add scenario or I want to renovate it and then sell it versus, say, just a pure income-producing property? That's awesome. Okay, first off, Corey, like, have you ever sat on a couch at home? <laughs> Like, I just need to say, it's like I get emails from you at four o'clock in Saturday mornings. You go on, hey, we got to get this thing done. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I just, I love this hypothetical of sitting on a couch. Corey's been uh, in bed by eight p.m. too for an hour already, right? Because he's <laughs> up at three a.m. So <laughs> I set my alarm and I send emails out to people so they think I'm up, and then I'm right back right, to bed. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, Corey, I had to point that out there on that one. <laughs> All right. This is where, you know, you start to get a little bit more uh, complication to the commercial financing aspect. You know, from most of the lenders out there, and you got to think your sort of your banks and credit unions again, is they like to finance primarily commercial investment properties that have income in place. Right. So, you know what, if you are buying a, you know, a commercial strata unit and it's got a nice lease, you know, for like a five years with a retail type tenant and it spits out 50 grand a year, you can kind of qualify that with some of the banks and credit unions and, you know, we can get you a nice mortgage. When you're actually doing a value add play, that is a slightly elevated sort of complexity to the transaction. And usually it's sort of somebody's second, third, fourth type of commercial transaction. So where we end up doing it is that it is called a, you know, a repositioning play. And right? we most often use what we call bridge loans, right? So it's a bridge. It takes you from your current underutilized or, you know, improperly managed type asset to when you've put in your improvements and you've leased it out. You know, once it's proven, you kind of have, all right, we got our income in place. So it is a two-step process where we'll use a certain type of lender that's very comfortable with the current state and the borrower and you know what, what they want to do with it. And so we do like a 12 months to a two-year type bridge financing to get you to the, where it's stabilized with income in place. And then we refinance it out to you know one of the banks or credit unions or other types of asset managers who want a stabilized project. So there is that again, it's a bridge. So I'm hoping I'm trying to be as clear as possible with many of your listeners and the fact that it is a two-step process. You got to be creative and you have to have a certain understanding of that process. So you'd bring in lender A, they come in, they allow me to acquire the property, they provide me some renovation money that I need, I get the project start to finish, probably retenant the property at that point, get the income up, then we go knock on the Van City's door. Something like that, absolutely. That's where you do it. So okay. there's great lenders in this town, but they all have different sort of sweet spots. 
right? You don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. Guys like us on the mortgage brokerage side is we stay in touch with all the different lenders on a daily, weekly basis. And so we know how to get that done. And for most part, it is, you know, it's so competitive out there right now that you have to move quickly. You don't have time to, on the commercial side, have a 60-day subject removal period, right? You're looking at 30 days and you've got to do a whole bunch of work within it. So for us, it's a matter of being efficient, no surprises, move things through. And at the end of the day, you know, we're blessed to have seen over the years many great success stories. So we just try to re-engineer the success over and over again. So that's great. The only thing I would sort of say uh, to finish that one off is like, Corey, you do an absolute fantastic job working with your clients in regards to the value add play. It requires a little bit more complexity to it. But again, like the financial returns can be quite good. Alan, if I'm looking at like posted rates today for residential purchases, I'm, you know, you're seeing around 2%. Does that translate to commercial lending? It does to a certain extent. You just add an extra 1% to it. So when you sort of take a peek at what the best residential rate is, you add 1% and that's kind of where your best commercial rate is. The only thing that kind of comes into it is that there are some differences. Every bank views certain types of borrowers differently on the commercial side of things. And the added flavor of some of that stuff is the different asset classes. Like I know Corey must have talked to you guys in the past, like how hot industrial is right now. Right. You know, I can't fund enough industrial assets at low rates because there's just not enough industrial assets. But on the other side is that, you know, you get some of those retail type shops without like a grocery tenant or stuff like that. You end up kind of getting a higher risk profile and you get a little bit higher rate. But all things being equal, it's about 1% higher. So post-pandemic now, obviously the world's changed and, you know, banks have obviously tightened up and probably re-looked at lending criteria. How much onus is there now from an investment side of it if I have Starbucks as my tenant or I have Corey's Coffee Shop that pays his rent 15 days late on a monthly basis? How much more attention does the bank put on the covenant and the strength of a tenant post-pandemic maybe than what they did maybe pre-pandemic? Great question. I would say is that all things being equal, they put much more emphasis on the type of tenant. That being said, you know, this is where, again, where we kind of come in is that there are great lenders. We deal on a regular basis. You know, our top five lenders are probably, you know, five or six of them on a regular basis. But depending on where the the property is located, Fraser Valley, you know, Victoria, Nanaimo, the interior, you have different lenders that like different things. If you're downtown doing a $20 million transaction and you got Starbucks, you know, you're looking at, you know, a great uh, national tenant and you can drive rates down. That being said is you're paying a pretty low cap rate or buying it at a low cap rate. If you're up in some of the interior, say Kelowna, and you've got, you know, Betty's or Betty's coffee shop that's been there for 10 years, you're buying something at a five to six cap. So your money can go a lot farther in some of these other areas. And we can get really good financing up in areas like that versus being down in the city of Vancouver, for example. And just if there is any lenders listening, I have been to Betty's and those scones are phenomenal. That's great. Alan, I'm just thinking like, you know, right now we've had a incredibly hot the past year in residential real estate. We've had multiple offers on a lot of properties. People have to get their financing up front. How long does it typically take you in the commercial world to underwrite a deal and, you know, to kind of approve financing for a purchaser? I would imagine that it changes dependent on asset class. 
Absolutely. So there's a number of stuff that comes into it as well. And before we dive into that, I got to get a little shout out to a lot of the great lenders there. You know, for many of them for the last year, year and a half, they've been working from home by themselves in front of their desk, a little bit disjointed from the rest of their teams. You know, COVID's been a challenge from like a logistics standpoint of approval. So right off the bat with COVID, we are seeing, you know, approval timelines kind of have increased probably about like a week, simply because it just takes a little bit longer to get the communication kind of going. And that shout out there doesn't go on deaf ears. All six of our listeners are going to be very appreciative of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Okay, so how do we underwrite or pre-qualify a commercial application? Well, again, transferring it and sort of viewing it under the lens of a, say, a residential property is that you are going to have within the banking system, yes, you can get a pre-approval. And the reason why you can get a pre-approval is that the income of the individual is pretty well known. And the type of quality of like an apartment or a single family house, relatively well known. So you can do a pre-approval on the residential side. On the commercial side, there again, through the different lens, it's just different factors that you need to do it. And so you have a lot of the times it is the property which is different. And we talked a little earlier, you got the asset class can be a little different. The income levels can be a little bit different. The types of tenants, like obviously we were talking about, you know, Betty's Coffee Shop versus Starbucks. That all comes into the approval criteria on a commercial mortgage. So what we end up having to do is we take a lot of time at the beginning to work with our clients to get what we call a pre-qualification, right? So it's not a pre-approval like it is on the residential side. We do a pre-qualification where we sit and we can look at the property, you know, pretty specifically. We can look at the individual situation, how much of a down payment, all that kind of stuff, their own cash flow. And then what we can do is we can say, hey, listen, if you guys are buying a property that's sort of in this range here, you know, we're very comfortable that you can pull this sucker off. Then once it's, you got it under contract, you know, we strive for that 30 days where, you know what, we got to get the appraisal received. We got to get an environmental report. We got to get maybe a building condition report done. There's all these little extra elements. So it's a 30-day subject for financing. Sometimes we need 40 days depending on the complexity. You know, all you got to really worry about is a underground storage tank from the old days from oil. On the commercial side is that you can have like heavy metal contamination. You can have, you know, a dry cleaner was just down the street. So some of that stuff, it just requires more consultants to kind of get in there. But again, when that kind of comes into it is we work really well with, you know, our commercial real estate partners and William Wright is obviously one of our main guys. And so it's a team effort to try to bring all the unknowns into clarity for the client to make sure that we can move quickly with that subject period. Al, you brought up earlier, you mentioned Kelowna, you briefly touched on Victoria. How much of the marketplace does affect the lending ability? Do some lenders favor markets, say maybe like a Chilliwack or maybe an Abbotsford, and some lenders prefer maybe a downtown urban, kind of something to the effect of like a Vancouver, or is Victoria a different lending pool? How much consideration goes into the location of the property and the current market conditions in that marketplace from a lender perspective? Again, great question. I think the probably my best answer to this one here is that 
you know, everything is so robust in BC right now is that we can pretty much find a lending solution for most types of properties, regardless of the location. What you find, though, is, you know, if you are financing a large transaction in, say, a city of Vancouver, for example, there is a different type of lender that is more attractive to doing the multiple, say, tens of millions of dollars of a mortgage on a larger asset. In the smaller areas where you're doing with a smaller type transaction, just one, two, three million dollar mortgage or three million dollar purchase price and you need a mortgage on it, just different lenders, you know, migrate to that. So it'll be a different lender than somebody doing a, you know, ten, twenty million dollar in the city of Vancouver versus the one, two million dollar mortgage in Kelowna or Victoria or Nanaimo. So it's realistically you just need to figure out what's going to be the right lender for you, because there is several for every property that we look to finance. Alan, maybe thinking about kind of just investment opportunities in in BC, in the province in general, I would imagine that you're financing these deals, you're kind of seeing where there's spikes of activity. Do you have a region where you're seeing a lot of people are focusing on right now in BC? Okay. Jeez, well, there's a few. We don't want to give away the farm too much on all this kind of stuff here. but <laughs> Please do. But... <laughs> That's what the show's about. We're asking you to pick your favorite okay. kid right now. <laughs> so, like, one of the great things that we've got is, you know, working with excellent people. And when we get, say, every file that we do is you kind of get an appraisal of it. Within that appraisal, we're dealing with, like, eight or ten other properties as comparables. So, you simply take a peek at, you know, how many stuff that I'm doing uh, myself, and then we've got our team that are all doing, you know, their own stuff and you multiply that. So we have access to an amazing amount of information here. And so some of the stuff that I've really seen pop, you know, has been the interior of BC. You know, it's very surprising. And you guys would uh, know you've done some excellent podcasts with some of the guys that up there, like the Mission Group and the City of Kelowna, you know, planning department is that they are easy to do business with. And you know what, the market has moved. So a lot of opportunities are existing in there. What we're finding with the city of Cologne is that in the last year it's changed so much that there's just not enough opportunities. This is the crux of most commercial real estate investing in BC now is the demand is like 10 times the supply. And you're just this competitiveness that ends up happening. Other areas that we like, we've got Colwood, Langford, we've got Nanaimo where we have some, you know, multifamily assets that are looking to be constructed and or, you know, purchased. We even see some really unique opportunities, you know, in the other areas like Vernon, Penticton, stuff like that. You know, have a client who likes, you know, multifamily assets in Fort St. John. So, you know, you do have a mixture. But if I was to say the two things that we're seeing a lot of activity in is southern Vancouver Island, the interior, and obviously the Fraser Valley, you know, here is just guns of blazes. Adam was writing all those yeah. locations down so fast. <laughs> His pen was dying. So. Uh, I think my the paper's smoking right now. <laughs> Al, one last question here. I'm a business owner. I've been operating my coffee shop for the past 10 or 15 years, and I'm sick and tired of being a tenant. How do banks create opportunities for owner-occupiers to sort of you know, eventually get into the, the business of being their own landlord or maybe a landlord of a small building with some tenants versus just being an investor? Because I know you've seen, I mean, with the boom of the strata offices and industrial and retail over the past decade over here, we're seeing more and more owner-occupiers find avenues through financing to get into being their own landlord. 
Can we maybe unpack that a little bit and so our listeners can have a better idea maybe how that looks from a lending standpoint and any recommendations for them that they maybe have to look at or try to better if that's a part of their goals? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things I can sort of comment on is, you know, on the residential side of things and, you know, you had the, you know, CMHC coming in to support the housing needs, you know, of most of the people in Canada were, you know, they were trying to incent and give opportunities to purchase a little bit higher leverage than, you know, you would normally. But it got people into homes. On the commercial side of things is probably one of the best things that the banks and some of the credit unions as well, and also BDC, is that they came out with programs designed to help entrepreneurs secure their own properties, you know, for their financial well-being. You know, it is what it is in Vancouver these days where, you know, you've got demolition clauses, you've got geographic constraints on some businesses that need to sort of operate within a certain area and to go outside of it would be devastating for their business. So where it ends up being is they come up with these programs where they can incorporate an operating business's income that it generates to support a, you know, a higher mortgage amount. So if we were looking at a straight investment property in Vancouver right now, that's to say that would be like a 60% loan to value. So somebody would have to put down 40% of a purchase price as a down payment, which can be a big nut. Yeah, for sure. You know, now is that there are lots of programs to get 80% of the property purchase, 90% of the property purchase. Sometimes we can do 100% of the property purchase. It just depends on the business, the operating business's income. So if the cash flow of that business is strong and can support, you know, a higher mortgage amount, then it would qualify from an investment standpoint. Oh, you know what? It's, you know, there's those programs to get those businesses in. And if anybody's been in commercial real estate for the last five years, this is probably being the single biggest generator of wealth for smaller business person buying their own commercial space. So it's been great for a lot of our smaller clients to do that. Well, Al, I think that's some phenomenal insight. And I think it gives the listeners a really, really good understanding of sort of how the lending side of the business works on the commercial side. So Al, we have a feature called the MLG Six Pack, where we ask you six questions to give our listeners a better idea who Al is outside of the office. Do you have time to stick around for that? You know what? Absolutely. I've been waiting for this one, listening to all the podcasts. Yeah, yeah, let's bring it on. All right, Al, you ready? You betcha. Okay. The Six Pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Number one, favorite movie or TV show? I would probably, going back into the archives, I would think one of those movies is, you know, it's probably going to be something like Slapshot. Great old-fashioned uh, uh, hockey movie that is uh, always uh, brings a smile to my face. Yeah, it's funny. When we were kids, the Hanson brothers, the Scalina brothers, we used to skate around the ice. I wore some fake glasses. We were, uh, that was a good movie. Yeah, I, really I can see. Movie. Now, now that you bring that up, I can, I can, I can see you in glasses now. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of dating myself, you know, good old Paul Newman in that one. Yeah, what year was that? Was that would that have been early 80s? Uh, 1842, uh, 1843. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, long, a long time ago. Yeah. All right, Al. Favorite vacation spot? You know what? I'm going to go with Napili Bay in Maui. Wow. Oh, nice that's one. A, that's a good one. That's What's a, a yeah. book you'd recommend? 
I'm a huge, huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. So where it kind of comes into it is I've always kind of liked, it's one of its original ones called The Tipping Point. It's just something for everybody to just sort of dig in. And I know it's, uh, you know, when I turned into an entrepreneur myself, it was just one of those things where I just love understanding the psychology of the wise. And all of his books are great, but I would say The Tipping Point is a good one. Here's a good one. This is going to put you on the spot. Quote or inspirational quote you live by? I would say perfect is the enemy of good. good one. Wow. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, think a, I might steal yeah. that one. I'm doing away with eat, pray, love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, what? it's just something that just sort of sticks with me on all this stuff here is that, you know, we're in a market like the real estate market is just going crazy. And, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect and getting all like anxious about having everything perfect. It just doesn't do well for, for people's mental well-being. And so it's always just like, you know, a, a good B plus is great. Move forward with it quickly, but don't try and hold yourself up to such high expectations or as an A plus. It's just it's really hard to do. Right, right. Next question is, what is your favorite music group or song? You know, if I had to do that right now, uh, it's a toss up between two, but I'm on a recent Pearl Jam kick. Oh, nice. Nice. Pearl, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, usually it's uh, Dave Matthews, but uh, I don't know. I've been uh, getting into the uh, Pearl Jam a little uh, bit more. Dave, Dave Matthews makes a little bit more sense. I enjoy but, Dave Matthews myself. Yeah. Corey's also a bit of a Nickelback fan, we learned earlier <laughs> Probably on. Probably a bit is putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I saw Nickelback live in person on the street of Vancouver, I don't even know what I'd do. I'd probably start crying like a girl that saw Jonathan Taylor Thomas on the front of Teen Bop in the it's, early 90s. It's pretty easy to do. I think he works at, what is it, Betty's Cafe? <laughs> 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 Isn't, that guy's got to be in Vancouver a lot. I mean, I, Director yeah. of scone operations yeah, yeah. for Betty's in Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Al, last question. What's a piece of advice you would maybe give our listeners that they're looking to enter into commercial real estate whether it be an area, a potential asset class, or what sort of a piece of advice you could sort of let our listeners know of if they wanted to buy their first commercial real estate property or enter into the commercial real estate market? This is a great question. You're definitely your best one. And I have probably the easiest answer on this. You know, if you're looking at commercial real estate, there's an entrepreneurial aspect to any of this stuff here. And it just comes down to, you know, is support. That, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, you don't need to know everything. The most important part is Build your team, right? And it's, you know, your start, uh, you know, with your, you know, commercial real estate advisor for Corey and William Wright. Amazing uh, knowledge and intelligence. You know, you layer in on top of your commercial real estate advisor, you've got your, you know, commercial mortgage broker to help, you know, facilitate more education. You layer in your accountant, who is a great, you know, resource. Your insurance agent, another great resource. Your lawyer, another great resource. So when you have four, five, six guys and gals that are on your team working, you know, for you to get you, you know, the right property, bringing the right people together, the right good quality people, good things are going to happen. And so that is my biggest piece of advice. Listeners don't need to know everything themselves, but they do need to focus on building their trusted team. Fantastic advice. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, Alan, but uh, how can people find out more about you and Impact Commercial Group Incorporated? You know what? You can easily just go on to our website, which is impactcommercial.ca. Check us out. You know, my direct telephone number is 604 
999-2265. And I am always available for a call just to discuss it. You know, we've got a, you know, a great team here at Impact and, you know, we are just blessed to work with guys like yourself and be in Vancouver. So we welcome anybody to reach out to us directly. Well, Al, thank you so much for your time today. We know you're busy. We appreciate having you. There's a lot of uh, first class advice there shared, and I'm sure our listeners will be very excited to, to get a hold of you in the future. You know, that's great, guys. You know, you guys do fantastic. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Al. You bet, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, our episode with Alan Haig, managing partner and co-founder, Impact Commercial Group. I learned a lot, and I'm in the business. You know, I'm starting to like this Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. That was We're a not great hiring. episode. We're full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a good conversation, and I think the one thing I'm figuring out is just a lot of people out there, they don't understand that they can actually be commercial real estate owners, right? Yep. And especially a lot of like the last point that you mentioned about being a business owner and renting out your either your retail location or your office space or so, you should really inquire with a broker first to just see what your options are. Because who knows, you might actually just be able to own your own real estate. Well, funny story is the exact space that we're sitting in today, Right. the previous tenant that was here outgrew the space. So they'd come back to us to see if we could help them find a larger space. And we asked them, have you ever thought about purchasing something? Yeah. And I remember the conversation where they were almost like sloughed it off. Like, can't afford to buy anything. How are we going to do that? Long story short, put them in touch with the right group. $2.6 million later, they bought a phenomenally beautiful office in Vancouver. Yeah, it's amazing. It's actually amazing at what people don't know about commercial lending and also what they can afford. You're richer than you think, and I just came up with that. Uh, Matt, <laughs> what else do we got? What else do we have, Adam? Well, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. That is where the commercial real estate podcast lives. It's up there live now. We're also on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, I think it is. I, I, by the time anyone hears this, it will be there. Because I know Spotify's executive must have loved us because they couldn't get us on there fast enough. Tim Cook took about a week to hear us, <laughs> probably <laughs> contemplated it, then thought, okay, fine, fine. We'll push that one through. Google yeah. guys, they're busy. Yeah. The main point here is all the major players, you can get the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast now, and it's on our site. And how can people find out more about what you're doing over at William Wright Commercial? So Corey. People, people can visit us at williamwright.ca, and we're happy to put you in touch with any of our brokers over there. You can email me directly at Corey. C-O-R-Y at williamwright.ca, as well as you can reach us by phone at 604-428-5255. So if you're a tenant, you're a landlord, you're looking to acquire more commercial real estate, sell your commercial real estate, please reach out to us. We'll put you in touch with one of our brokers at any of our offices throughout the province, and we'll make sure we do our best job for you. Fantastic. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.